This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey there, Sid. Hey, Brian. What's up? Oh, not too much. Uh, I think you have some exciting updates for us this week. Well, it's official as of whatever, the 13th or the 14th. Yes. Debt free is the way to be. Yes. Um, I am very excited that everything went through. (laughs) Got paid, firstly. (laughs) Put it toward the payment. Done. Done and done. Good. But um, obviously now this payment that I had been so accustomed to paying for the last, what, eight years of my life since I graduated college, um, that's now extra dollar bills that are going into my bank account. And a fair amount of them, too. A decent number. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really tempting, I feel like. Yeah, like, when you see, okay, again, because we talk about, like, full disclosure, I had a hefty, when I got out of college, like, FYI, $700 was my original post payment, and I was paying it to, like, four different loans. It was insane. Um, I focused on paying off one of them first and did that within, like, a year or two right? Um, out of graduation. So that bumped it down to $500. So I was accustomed to paying $500 a month for, Just for the a consistent basis for my college loan. And then uh, when I consolidated, my payment went down to around $300. But I was okay. like, I hear that it's great to pay if you're used to paying that five hundred dollars and still financially can do that, just do it. Keep paying that five hundred dollars to like hit at that balance and cut down your the amount of interest that you're gonna be paying in the end. Right. So I basically have just been consistently paying five hundred dollars. And then obviously as we've talked about in the past, all that extra cash that I had at the end of the month went to the loan. So basically now I have five hundred dollars of fun money let's not think about it like that guys that's terrifying because you know as soon as you say that i'm like i've got a shoe on hold i've got like jewelry that i've been wanting for quite some time now and literally over the weekend dan was like want to go shopping and i was like this is my downfall that would kill me that would kill me and i uh only bought two things okay and one of them was a replacement pant that I ruined. <laughs> so sad. So like considerably like a need. A need, yeah. And then there was a cute shirt, like a stripey, like casual tee vibe. Oh. I've been trying to like re re up my casual wear because like you know when you just want to wear like a t-shirt and jeans yes i don't have a lot of that i feel you on that (laughs) and so there was one for six dollars at old navy and i was like okay i think i can justify this (laughs) you think you could (laughs) shake that piggy bank loose a little bit (laughs) and it still falls within my shopping budget there you go so anyway so now that i have this extra money it's so easy for your brain just to be like oh my gosh free money Mm -hmm. but that's not really like what it is what it is or the responsible appropriate way to go about living your life so i 
am taking the chance to reassess my budget and setting new goals. Mm-hmm. And what's great about this is that it essentially helps me achieve some of my goals a little bit faster. And I also adjusted a couple things for like in August, basically there's like a couple weekends where we have like long weekend trips planned. Yep. And so I'm like, maybe I'll give myself a little extra to like, you know, go out and have an extra fancy meal or do something special that like because for me mostly the things that I like to indulge in is like a fancy delicious meal meal. yeah and And so yeah and a a good classy wine yeah so um I feel like that's like I'm making subtle adjustments for the next couple months just to like allow myself like a hundred dollar treat yourself extra right which i think is fair but then the other all that extra cash that i was accustomed to paying toward my loan is going right toward my savings goals that's great so i think um in terms of stuff that i've now how i've readjusted the big things now that i'm planning for are a new car down payment yeah most likely a used car but like it's still new to you yeah because so I've had my car since it's a 2009 Hyundai yeah. Accent. Yep. Very, very classy entry level vehicle, right? For a very reliable too. Very reliable post grad car. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm now in the market. It's, it'll be about you know close to 10 years by the time that I want to have this vehicle, and it's it's done me well. But yeah. I think it's time for an upgrade. Mm-hmm. You know, I hit 30. Time for my time for my SUV. uh, (laughs) Ready for a different vibe, I think. Yes. Yes. And then Dan and I are planning a trip to Europe. Yay! Now, for both of these, I think more for in my mind as far as my own personal planning and your Europe trip, I just want to be very prepared for you to leave me for any considerable amount of time. Mm -hmm. Do you have a timeline that you've put in place to get ready for either the car that you like or the the European vacay? Yeah, so there's like monthly time allotments that accommodate... This is all formulas that Dan created in our budget right. profile. <laughs> I would have done it very manually and very differently. A lot of differently. crunching the numbers yourself. A lot of handwriting. Yeah. I like I like to handwrite a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, he is much more digitally savvy, and so I definitely am leaning on the fact that he was able to do that for us. So um, the time frames basically are four and I think eight months okay. where I'll be able to save for what? You're looking for. I'm looking for. Because I already have my emergency fund set. set. Right. So that's not the thing that you need to add to necessarily right now. Yeah. But that's good. So next, what is that? In a year or ish? Yeah. About a year that we'll, uh, we'll be going on vacay? Mm-hmm. 2019. So excited. Whoop, whoop. I can't wait to hear more about that because I feel like a big part of that and what will coincide with our updates is like the planning of that trip. Yeah. Because that'll be really fun. Taking some tips from our last episode. Yes. I feel like that's been like so far in the distance of an option. So it's exciting to think about like, oh, this is real. And like, where can we go? And what can we do? And what 
what place are we even going to pick? Oh yeah, places. and you should. I, I give. I feel like I give my friend Kelly a shout out literally like every episode for one reason or another. <laughs> but she and her husband are really good at traveling, Ooh. and they've both done the backpacking trip and like the honeymoon trip where they like gave themselves a little bit of like leeway as far as like the niceties went. And it was really fun to hear about like what differences those two trips look like. But I think if you're looking for some input, she's done the European vacay a couple times and knows like where the good food is and the good beverages yeah. and like how to really how to really do it. Always so. looking for tips, recommendations and such. We'll get her her input for sure. Love it. For sure. Um what what about you? What is uh happening in your update land? So I actually have the opposite <laughs> going on where I like strongly need to get back on track with my spending habits. It's not like it's fully gone off the rails and I got back from vacation. I didn't do any shopping on vacation. I think I got like two cards from a cute little shop because like that's my thing is to have cards handy. And what's a card? Like $5. Yeah. So it wasn't, I was like really very close to spending like $150 on a bright pink jumpsuit. Thankfully (gasps) they didn't have it in my size. (laughs) Crisis averted. (laughs) But I, you know, and I was really not hard on myself, and that's not the right word. It's like I was very disciplined on that trip. Like I was like, do I really need this, or do I really, do I really need a new like pair of earrings or something like that? They had um, designers that I really like and follow on Instagram, and I was like, oh my god, this is my chance to just like see them on me and be able to buy them. And I was like, no, it's really not the thing you need right now. Like I, I'm, I've been looking at new shoes recently because I think I need a little update there. But I was really good and didn't do that. But I think because I was so good. I got home and like the online shop just just tore me down a couple pegs. Nothing crazy. Oh no, Sid. But definitely, definitely a moment where I was like, "Holy Toledo, you!" Really it was like you had the chance. It was oh, like yeah. dangling in front of you in the shops, and then you were like, "I'm gonna feed this addiction by oh, buying yeah. something online." It was so bad. I got home and like even just did it from my phone. I didn't even bother to get on my freaking Ooh. laptop. It was really ugly. Been there. Really ugly behavior. I was like just check out really fast and I've been trying to not memorize my credit card number for that reason and thankfully I didn't but I I had looked across the room and said like hey can you bring me my wallet (laughs) because I thought my laziness would impede my spending and it didn't so so because of that and this is like the probably the worst it's been in in a number of months like I've been very good but this was a moment where I was like you really need to check yourself I think everybody is allowed to slip up like it happens where you're like I accidentally overdid it yeah and, and then I you're like it's like it just what can i sell of mine yeah, right <laughs> seriously seriously but i'm glad that the slip-up happened like so one of the things i got was a pair of shoes that have been backordered for a long time that i've like really had my eye on for some time now and i'm glad the slip-up happened on those shoes versus the bright pink jumpsuit that like doesn't translate to work wear in any way like couldn't be worn most of the year so i'm like okay so at least you slipped up on something that like will really get its wear it's like a versatile usable thing that you'll wear on the reg exactly awesome so i had a check-in call with chell the folk accountant that i've talked about a lot on here and she you know you need i need a buddy like i need a workout buddy i need an eating healthy buddy i need a budget buddy like i need a buddy for every aspect of my life i work better in numbers just bottom line and she she was on the call and she was texting me and she was like 
we need to get back on track. And she was very nice about it. But she was like, let's remind ourselves like what the goal is and why we started this a year ago, like where we're at today, why we even began this journey. And what I loved is that like, she not only reminded me of my goals, but she was like, not making me feel bad about something that I had done that I was already feeling pretty bad about. Like mm-hmm. she was, she didn't make me feel like stupid or like that I had royally messed up. And I think like when you're looking for a buddy that's like your accountability buddy, they really need to not just like have your back, but also like know how you operate as a person. And she really does. So like checking in with her will definitely be a more common occurrence these days since like this is an issue apparently <laughs> that I've run myself into. But it was it was a good reality check. And I think just the step back and reminding me of what my goals are and why we put them in place to begin with is just what I needed. And that was really helpful. And she's like, obviously, we don't need to return the shoes that you got. Like, that's not what we're going to do. But we need I need you to feel what that cost was. Like, I need you to understand, like, how much that set us back um, on the goal list. And, like, not in a way to make me feel bad, but as a way to, like, have me really understand it. Yeah. So I think, like, that was really helpful. And so I have the opposite of... I'm still on the saving train. And she's like, as soon as we hit that number, like, then we can reassess and, like, go from there. But, like, we really need to get back on track. So she's like, text me anytime. I don't care when it is. Call me when you need me. Like, if you are, like, about to pull a trigger on the (laughs) the checkout box, then just don't. And just call me first. And so I will be definitely doing that more often now. That's necessary. I feel like um, my inspiration is actually something that might be uh, of assistance to you. I think you're probably right. So uh, <laughs> let's just roll right into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I learned about this woman, Kate Flanders, and her book slash methodology called The Year of Less. Mm, and I hate it already. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, I'm, I've just been in this mindset as apparently you are as well, mm-hmm. of like thinking I think it's about summer, right? Like, yeah, I don't you know. want new stuff in the summer. Like, I'm not living in my sweaters and my mm-hmm. boots right now, and I'm like, I need new stuff to like show off because yeah. it's not frigid. You're like, I feel like fresh and free, and I want to like wear a bright color and some dangly earrings. That's exactly <laughs> where the dangly earrings and the bright pink jumpsuit came from. <laughs> oh, us women were so easy to <laughs> so nail true. down. So uh, scary. <laughs> so I've just been kind of in this like this mindset of like, wow, it's so easy to overspend money, especially now that I'm in a, a little bit more of a structured budget mindset, yeah. um, especially with having like goals and all those things. So um, one of the things that she talked about um, was about how there are just like ads all over Instagram and like, obviously in your case, the uh, dreaded email about the sale. And it like makes me want to cry. Like the tar- <laughs> it's literally targeted to your interests. Like yes. I searched for a pair of heels and now they're like everywhere, everywhere that I live on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of scary to see that coming at you from all angles. And if you have that impulsive nature of like, well, I guess I can spend that $50. I guess I can spend that $20. And then that adds up. And that's really fast. It's so scary. Um, But I think that it's important, first of all, um, unsubscribe to all of those things. Like the second that you fear incentivize everyone <laughs> i face a fear every day and now this is added to the list <laughs> but you have to like train yourself not to 
be pulled in by those things and I realize like the number of things that I archive because I'm just like don't open it don't open it don't open it um I need to just get rid of it right if I'm not paying attention to it just get rid of it from being even accessible um but I think it's what she talks about in her book is like I'm not gonna buy anything for a year only around like obviously she said her budget like groceries and like the necessities were there and like I have a wedding so I know I'm gonna need a dress so I'm gonna buy one dress that I can wear to, to every occasion. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> um it was a lot of focusing on what do I actually need and like looking around and seeing your surroundings and being like I because what she talked about was like I a lot of the things that I was spending money on was, you know, kitchen gadgets right. and knickknacks that like achieved a status it wasn't anything that you actually needed to survive or Uh, needed to use mm -hmm. like i just keep thinking about how i need like a high-powered fancy like vitamix blender but like (laughs) i have a functioning blender (laughs) so you don't need the vitamin so i don't need the vitamin and you probably have someone who has like one that they're not using anymore honestly like if you really wanted one you could probably find someone to thrift it to you (laughs) sure if anyone's out there let me know um but that's the thing is like what do you need and like stop spending your money on things that essentially are frivolous and ex- ex- excessive and unnecessary right um and i think that it's really easy to be like "Ooh, this is shiny and new and i think it makes me think about our capsule wardrobe episode of like mm. how can i readjust what i have or like get rid of all the fluff that's like not being worn or not being used and then you can actually see what exists and what is like of the things that you want in your life. Right. And I think that that's where, like, the regular organization and clean-out comes in in a great way of, like, everything that I have and that I'm surrounded by is everything that I need. Right. And then giving yourself, like, a very structured, like, if this breaks, then I can buy something new. True. Or, like, if this breaks, can I repair it? Mm -hmm. And continue to use this thing. And I think that that's just, like... There's such a a push for consumerism in the world that we live in, and it's really freeing to think about, like, wow, I could actually, like, maybe retire early if I just live my life in in the way where I'm not spending money on things I don't need. The less, yeah. And and I I totally feel that, and I think... In my mind, the first thing that came to in like that floated right by was that okay, so I'll take the year prior to buy everything I need, and then the following year I will do this year of less, <laughs> not buy anything, which feels like missing the point yes. of the whole thing. So, I I think it's I think you're right. Like that shiny and new is just such a pull. And some of the dresses I wear for work I've had for years, mm-hmm. and I'm like, but they're still in fine condition. I really don't care if someone's seen the same dress a bunch of times like that. That's not really what I'm concerned about. Um, but what gets me is, like, the things that I'm, like, I've wanted this for so long. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, like, a big, like, cl- I'm not always a big clothing person. I love the capsule wardrobe. And I like easy, simple pieces. But it's when it comes to, like, jewelry and clothes or in shoes that I mm-hmm. get a little, like, touchy. I start to twitch a little bit when I see that email come through. So I think this is a great 
place to start. I wonder if it would be okay with Kate Flanders if some of us maybe went for like a six month or like a three month or yeah. if it has to be the full year. Well, you can do, I think, whatever you want. Like, okay. I'm just kind of thinking about it just from like the methodology standpoint of thinking about what do I actually need right? versus right. what need, do I want. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, if I need a new pair of earrings because everything that I have is from when I was 22. Sure. That seems reasonable. Like, maybe I should look like an adult. I don't know. (laughs) We've talked about this before. (laughs) But speaking of which, again, when we were shopping, just like an aside, um, everything that I picked up when I was in J. Crew that I was like, so cute, had a freaking ruffle on it. Ruffles. We need to break you of that habit. I mean, ruffles are fine. Don't get me wrong. Other people, on other people, ruffles for you are just not not where we need to be. But maybe I'll look into this this methodology because I do think the need conversation is exactly what we talked about during the capsule wardrobe episode. Is exactly what I talk about every time I bring up my spending habits. I need to separate the needs from the wants, and even with buying these shoes that I just bought, that like just kind of catapulted me outside my 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 budget world it wasn't like they were crazy expensive or like anything super fancy but they were like a good work shoe and Mm -hmm. I think my brain tricks me into thinking like that's a need because like but I'm like you have other work shoes that are perfectly fine so I think it's that need versus want and like wanting to update when you don't really need to update because everything you've got is like working for you um if anything, I'm going to send you the link so you can subscribe to her newsletter or like I her blog. I need another newsletter. <laughs> that you can accept into your inbox. That I will take. I should just get rid of everything that's not a newsletter, but that would still make sure that my inbox is full every single day because I have subscribed to so many of them. But I like them all and they give me great reading material. So that's why I do it. Yeah. That's... I can only scroll Twitter for so long. It's true. Well, that's great. (laughs) On your inspo list. So this was a tough... The inspo list for me was a little tough this week. I I don't know why. I think it's because coming off vacation... I'm like a little You're like vacation is my inspiration. That was really yeah, that's pretty much where I've been at. So there will be weeks that we're recording that I it, it literally takes like right before we're recording for me to find something that like speaks to me in some way. But I always think that's like my brain telling me something. Yeah. And I don't I think I do work fairly well under pressure, but that's not like the way I want to be. But this one came came through. I think I was uh doing a little Twitter scroll actually. But a place that we've talked about before, the First Round Review um, blog, it's really about people and culture is kind of like the focus for First Round Review. I know you've had a few um, inspirations slash updates that came from that website. I just love it because, like, I live for people and culture. Like, that is my, my thing that I just, like, glom right onto. So the article that I was reading today um, was an interview with Angie Chang, who is the founder of Women 2.0 and Bay Area Girl Geek Dinners. And Ooh. yeah, so it was actually all about how Angie has um, been identified as an influencer. And when I read that, I was like, well, 
that's kind of lame because influencer, I think of Instagram influencers who aren't bad, but I was like, where is this going to go that kind of syncs up with first rounds aesthetic and like Mm -hmm. their whole thing around promotion of like the way people operate and how we support people. But Angie's thing was that she just didn't see, and this is is still fairly true, um, women represented in the tech industry. They just weren't there. They weren't at like founder level. They weren't at CEO level. Like they really weren't in that leadership position. So she kind of has made it her mission to support and talk about and write about women in leadership roles and how to support women getting to leadership roles, specifically in the tech industry. And she no longer actually works for Women 2.0, but she did found it. And she was like, I found this like this crazy confidence from being a founder. And you could see when she was going on all these networking events, men would go up and like, you know, they'd be chatting and everything like that. And they would hand her their card and it would say founder and CEO. And then she'd go to their website and see that they're the only employee. And she was like, it was like, and I believed what they were saying. And I, and they were the founder and CEO, but it was, they had this like this confidence that I didn't see women either representing themselves as, themselves as or even saying that they were the founder of something. So she just saw this like gap um, in in the system where she really wanted to fill that and make sure that women were feeling that confidence and understanding that they could be the founder and be the CEO, even if it was just them creating this company. But Going back to the influencer thing, she was like, I tied my personal brand to this mission. So everything I do and everything I am has to do with lifting women up to that like support level, making sure that women women are represented in leadership, especially in the tech industry. And I thought it was a really interesting article because I think when we think about influencers in the way that we hear about them so often today, it's not being them being tied to a mission. It's it's someone being tied to like just a brand. Mm-hmm. But I think transitioning to talking about mission based and um, cause based issues is a really powerful way to talk about influencers. And I think I kind of like needed this today a little bit because I think we all have that moment. Like we're starting this podcast. We're Mm -hmm. out here. We're helping hopefully women learn about how to learn about new things and how to empower themselves and use their voices. And at some point, sometimes you're kind of like, is that stupid? Like, (laughs) is this dumb? Because I don't feel like, I feel like I'm just kind of screaming to the abyss sometimes. Yeah. And so it was really exciting to see someone like so fully attach themselves to a mission and be like, and you can do this too. Like, this is not just her. She is like a, you know, self-identified extrovert and she gets out there and does different things, but she's like, you don't have to do this the way that I do it, but you have to tie your personal brand to a mission. And the moment that you do that, everything you do kind of centers around that. And that's why people consider me an influencer. And I was like, that is just so rad. And there were a couple quotes that I really liked that sh- that I pulled out of this article. And one was, I don't think of myself as an influencer, but as someone who has decided and declared. And I was like, oh, like, just put that on a freaking t-shirt for me. <laughs> decided and declared. It just feels like you're putting like a stake in the ground and you're just like, you're just doing it. Yeah. I, I thought like, that was this is so what I awesome. stand behind. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel that way about Queen speaking. I feel that way about what we're doing. But I think everybody has that moment where they're like, who's even listening? Like, yeah. does it even matter? But like, we decided and we declared that we wanted to do this for a reason. And I think every time we post or every time we do a podcast, like we are doing that. And I think to like, 
be the person who's out there and shouting it and and not making any apologies for it is a really powerful thing. And this article kind of reminded me of what that feeling is and why it's important to not back down from it. And the other thing she talked about was adopting the founder's confidence and like believing in yourself and your mission and like really not making any excuses for it or not shying away from it. Um, but those were the two pieces that I was like, this is like, this is the stuff. This is the stuff that helps people keep going. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I loved it. I thought that decided and declared was just perfect. It's just awesome. Yeah, this is going to stick with me. I love that she had the the experience of having attended events where she talked to other people who were like 100% confident in what they were doing and that we as women aren't like, I'm a founder. Yeah, I, I, I did stand, it. I did this. <laughs> this is mine. Yes. And because I think we have this like collective, like even when I think about what we're doing with Queen Speaking, it's a collective we. Yeah. We're all in this together, ladies. The royal we. We got this. <laughs> we got this. So it's nice to be able to lean into something and say, hey, yes. Yeah. I stand behind this, decided and declared. I just think that that's like, honestly, like I want that to be my slogan, but I don't know if I can steal it from her because it was in print. But I'm kind of like, I think that that should be. It could be be your motto. I think that's Every time someone's like, what is the quote that you live by, Sydney? Decided and declared. Angie Chang. (laughs) Just calling it. But I thought that like the way she talked about being an influencer was really powerful as well. And like that she's using, like this is lame, but like using her powers for good and like really Mm -hmm. standing. And even walking away from the thing that she founded has not unhitched herself from that mission. She still works for it every single day. Yeah. Um, and has considered the expert on the topic because she's doing the work behind it. And she's like, this didn't happen in one day. This happened over a decade of really, like, foot on the ground, really making sure you're showing up and doing the work every single day kind of an attitude. Um, And that's a really important message that I think we talk about a lot is like nothing happens unless you're making it happen. Um, And this was just another example of how she really dug her heels into her mission and what she believes in and how she's like helping other women rally around it behind it too. But men as well, because she was like, we couldn't do this without buy-in from other founders that are hiring women to go into leadership positions and like it was just awesome it was just really really great and so we'll link to that but that was my uh that was my inspo today and it it came to me this afternoon that's that's fine (laughs) it was perfect inspiration hits you at any moment decided and declared love it in (laughs) all right so uh brianna give it to me straight what are we talking about we are, uh, this is a follow-on topic yep. um, back on episode 23, mm-hmm. a long, long time ago. So long ago. <laughs> Realistically, it was about a month ago then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about feedback, asking for feedback in episode 23, um, but obviously there's the flip of that, which is giving feedback and how to handle what can essentially seem like a really tough conversation. And I think the purpose of this is to make it not so scary. I think a lot of what we were doing from the asking for feedback side of things is like it empowers you to have self-awareness and such an opportunity to grow and improve. And so as an individual providing feedback, establishing that dynamic from the get-go obviously is uh, something that's important. So making sure that it's a healthy thing that should be easy to implement and translate to all areas of your life. um, I think thinking about feedback, 
really provides that element of like this is an opportunity to improve and whether that's like it kind of fits into some of the other topics that we've had with like mentorship and like you're guiding someone how to be a good manager how to be a good person Mm -hmm. how to just be honest and upfront about the things that you're experiencing in life and making sure that you're just like straightforward with people absolutely and i think you know, one of the things that came to mind when we started talking about this being the topic for today is, you know, if you're anything like me, or I think sometimes us, (laughs) some of the time, overthinking comes like very naturally, especially in a moment of confrontation or what you feel might be confrontation. So you're overthinking to the point of like maybe talking yourself right out of giving Mm -hmm. that feedback. But I think what we're talking about today, hopefully, like, gets rid of some of that tendency to overthink and make it clean and clear so you feel like you can just have the straightforward conversation and you don't have to think about like all the dips and all of the highs and lows that could happen throughout. Um, There is like a fair amount of thoughtfulness that goes into this. But again, if you're anything like us, like the track that you can go down as soon as you start overthinking and you're like anticipating the way someone will be, or you're just kind of like, this is really scary and I don't think I'm ready for it. Mm -hmm. Like this is today's conversation is really about how to prepare, how to be thoughtful, how to listen and all of those things that really go into being able to give, give any kind of feedback, positive or negative. Love it. Doing it. All right. Let's speak at Queens. Let's do it. So the, the thing that I love about what I'm about to say is that it came from someone who I worked with closely in where um, I was teaching a class and he was my peer mentor and he worked as a part-time job at Apple at the local mall around here. And he, I don't even remember honestly how it came up, but he was talking about the training that he was going through when he first started that job. Super smart guy, like very on top of it and all of these things. And he was like, so one of the things that they talked to us about when we were doing the training is like, you, if you have any feedback for someone, you just go up to that person, you look at them and say, hey, can I give you some feedback? And I was like, that is so stupid simple. Like, why <laughs> did we, like, in my mind, I was like, well, that's like, I mean, that feels like a 101 kind of a conversation. But then you think about how much conversation, especially in a, in a, a mall setting where you've got a lot of part-time, you've got a lot of full-time, you've got a lot of age ranges kind of involved there. And I think making it, taking away the stigma of what giving feedback can sound like based on like whatever your viewpoint is and just saying, hey, can I give you some feedback is really powerful and empowering for both the person who's giving it and the person who's receiving it or can can receive it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's embedded in their culture. And I think that that, that viewpoint of making it just a, a solid line that applies to everybody and for the person that's receiving, they can either say yes or no. Um, he didn't. I think he said that he always says yes because he is, like we talked about in the last time we talked about feedback, he's always looking to improve. But then you have to wonder for the people that say no, it really kind of opens the door for maybe a manager or someone in a leadership position to be like, hmm, I wonder why they don't. Like, is there something that I can do here to help them feel more positive about taking criticism or feedback of any kind. But I just thought that that was so genius. And I guess it makes sense because they're all geniuses at the genius bar. (laughs) But just that mentality of just making it so 
and, and the, the thought process is the same for everybody. So this isn't just like a couple people that can give feedback. This is everybody. And it's direct. It's honest. It is thoughtful. But it's just walking right up to someone. And I'm like, gosh, that just makes so much sense. I think that if there's anything about this conversation, the thought of being direct with people is like the core theme. Yeah. Because... It seems like something that's just so terrifying, but when it's just, in this sense, exactly like what you're saying, it's part of the culture. Let's make this part of everyday culture, how you interact with people, because if it's just known, like, hey, I'd love to just toss you some feedback real quick, Mm -hmm. and they could say yes or no, you're mentally prepared for that conversation. It's an environment where it's established as a positive thing and actually encouraged among the community and the people that you work with. You're setting yourself up for success. Right. And it really does. It makes sure that people know it's coming. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the episode about like how to prepare for that um, and not just like spring it on someone. So you're not just walking up to being to someone and being like, hey, you need to do this better or like, hey, you know, any kind of either negative or positive. It's not just like firing it at someone. It is taking a beat to have them understand where you're coming from and that you're about to share something with them that they think that you could improve upon um and it's not like assaulting you with words which i Mm -hmm. feel like can happen really quickly especially and i imagine like working at the apple store during like the holidays (laughs) must be kind of like a high stress environment and so if someone's coming at you and just like throwing words at you then you that would create kind of probably a negative work environment but saying offline after you're both in like the break room and looking at someone being like hey can I give you some feedback about that interaction that you had like this is how it might be better for next time or you might want to improve so like your results are better for next time it's like on the floor training like no one walks into a job day one and knows exactly what they're doing and how to do everything perfectly and if you I read something recently actually in Inc. Magazine that talked about how you shouldn't hire for the perfect individual that fits all the characteristics of what you want in that in, that job position mm-hmm. that you need to actually implement solid training mm-hmm. and have that person be open and receptive receptive to the training because you want to have someone who's a little bit malleable to be willing to accept feedback because people stay in jobs when they learn and grow. And the only way that you're going to get that is if you have those consistent opportunities for someone to say like, hey, you know, I'd love to just bounce this idea off of you and think that, you know, you might be able to try X, Y, and Z next time you have, you know, a conversation with someone or like next time you're in a meeting, here's something that might might be effective. Or when you're writing a pitch email, here's Mm -hmm. something to consider that might, you know, focus on what motivates them as an individual and get them to respond to you. You're like, wow. So helpful. (laughs) But it's so true. And I think like just kind of stepping back from it and and understanding that like, yeah, it's great to have the perfect person in a job that has like the technical skill and like like on paper, they're perfect. But if you get them in there and they can't take direction or, or feedback, then you've probably gotten yourself into that situation where you're like, am I going to have to fire this person fast or keep them on and try to train them and probably end up ripping my hair out? Like looking for those kind of characteristics is so important in the hiring process. And you see 
that mistake being made, I think, maybe more, like, old school. But Mm -hmm. now people are, like, soft skills are king. Like, technical skill, to a certain degree, can be taught. Um, Obviously not for every job. But for a lot of jobs that are kind of, like, customer service-based and you need to learn a program or you need to learn, like, how to use, like, a, a dashboard of some kind, like, that can really be taught. And if you're taking the time to train people... But they're, like, super ready to learn, and they're showing up on time, and they're, like, showing you that they're ready to take on a new skill. Mm -hmm. That's what you want to be looking for. Yeah. For sure. So another thing, um, so this is around kind of, like, how how to give the feedback to in a work environment, like, in that coworker environment. One of the things that I read from LinkedIn was around the sandwich method, which I think we have some feels about. But basically, the sandwich method is, like, start with the strengths, what's going well, then kind of walk into the feedback that you're giving, like, either criticism or, like, constructive criticism or, like, what can be approved upon. Um, and then ending with, like, the positive comments and kind of saying like this is what will happen when these kind of things are implemented and what like when those changes come through like this is the great thing that will happen after that and I think like this will take some practice because I guess there's a problem if you can't find anything positive to say so like problem number one (laughs) that might be that might raise a red flag Um, but also like how you approach that feedback so it's like it's great to kind of put the positive out there. I think it's really easy for a lot of people to say positive things about the people that they're working with or for, but following it up with the not necessarily negative, but constructive criticism and trying to say it in a way that is like, yeah, it's like, this is a subtle adjustment that right. you can make. Right. You want to make sure it comes you know. home. Like you want to make sure that that person full is not just like stuck on the positive. Because yeah. <laughs> I think that's really easy to do is that you're kind of like that person said something really nice. I'm going to tune you out now. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> yeah. I think the key to this of like where to focus on is that last part of mm-hmm. what you said, which is this is what will happen if you implement the changes that I recommended by saying like, okay, here's a goal now associated with making adjustments. Right. Um, because I have heard that the sandwich method can get a little wishy-washy with people because exactly like what you said, people will just, oh, you said something really nice about me. I'm doing great. No, <laughs> no need for improvement. Bye. <laughs> um, but if you're not direct with the person, uh, they can think that they're going in a great direction. But a compliment does end up leading as, like, a great way to implement what I think is the most effective is this idea of radical candor. Yes. Um, which is, like, hot and trendy in yes. terms of, like, being manager feedback and, you know, just feedback in general and how to have these conversations on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but it focuses on challenging directly and caring personally. That's, like, Aww. the there's a bunch of quadrants and... This is, like, the, the sweet spot. Okay. Um, and it really is in that mode of I know enough about you. Like, the care personally is important. Like, you're not just going to berate someone for doing terrible things. Like, it's important that you establish relationships with people that you work with. Absolutely. So that you can challenge them directly and say, hey, I think the great example with Kim Scott, who basically came up with the whole concept – she was at Google um, and got some uh, straight-up feedback from uh, Cheryl, Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl Sandberg. Sandberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was told, like, hey, your presentations are great, but when you say um too much, you sound stupid. 
And b- by the statement that I just shared, someone might take that shockingly like right. you just told me i'm stupid right but she didn't say that she was stupid she say that she, she said sound. that she sounded stupid right so what's important there is that um in this element is like they have a relationship where this rapport is normal and mm-hmm. so kim automatically it's not like it's like everything's fine like no i'll be able to figure it out but by hearing from someone that she knows and trusts something so specific like that and here's an opportunity we would be happy to pay for you to have you know professional training to do some you know opportunity for growth to improve those presentation skills empowering them to improve right perfect scenario by which to use the sandwich use the sandwich but in a super effective and direct way. Right, because I think that sometimes the the sandwich can get mistaken for like positive negative positive, mm-hmm. but I think if we can find a new way to say that, especially that last part about implementing and how you're going to make an impact with the feedback that you've just been given, like that's really what it's like that a layer sandwich, cake. Yeah. Layer cake. Mm-hmm. I love layer cake. But yeah, so I think that that like is really where the sandwich comes into play. And I do really enjoy that example because I think there was no other way to help that woman like have it really driven home about like what the perception was about what she was saying because you get hung up on like all of the ums and all of the likes and things like that. And I mean, I don't know Cheryl personally, but I hear she's a lovely person. And so when someone says, like, you sound stupid, like, that's really going to catch someone's attention, especially from someone who maybe doesn't speak that way to people all the time. But, like, what she was saying is is true because I'm sure it's Kim who she was talking to. If she was sitting in a room and was hearing what she was saying from, like, the audience perspective, she would have thought the same thing. So it's helpful to hear that from the person who was right there. So other things that were talked about in that LinkedIn article were focus on the situation, not the person. Um, This I find to be very, very important. And I think it goes right back to what you were saying about Kim and Cheryl, of that it wasn't her who is stupid. It was that she sounded that way. So that was very situational. It had nothing to do with her person and like who she is as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you're starting to use you instead of like kind of going into what the situation is, then you've made that person then just turn inward, in my opinion. like It automatically, in like, that will lead them to become defensive. Yes, because, the, I mean, we're human, right? So, like, that is their first reaction is to say, like, why, why are you saying this about me? Like, that hurts my feelings. And this won't happen with every person, um, but some people can separate, like, work from the way that person might feel about you personally. Um, but in you're not helping the situation by using the you language and making it feel accusatory Mm -hmm. versus literally what we're talking about, which is the feedback portion. Yeah, because by you saying it in the you form, it's like creating assumptions. But if you use it in the I sense, it's stating the facts of what you experienced Mm -hmm. or how it made you feel and then allowing for the opportunity for a response versus a reason. Or rebuttal. Yeah. And I think, like, exactly with the Apple um, culture and how they say, can I give you some feedback? It's not like, you're doing this wrong. It's, can I provide you with something? Mm -hmm. And then, if they say yes, that's when you have to really focus on the situational. Maybe it's, like, how they work with customers, but really framing it as, like, 
I've noticed when working with customers, there is a tone and you might get more results if, and that's using you, but. Well, you know, it's it's a work in progress, guys. I'm still practicing, obviously. But I think the important thing is like in that situation, being specific about what the scenario was and being situational of Mm -hmm. like, what is it? What is it that you can provide from a, a witness standpoint of this is what I experienced mm-hmm. of this interaction? Right, right. Um, the other one is being specific. I really like this one because I think there is a tendency to say like, "Hey, you're doing this poorly," or like, "Hey, this is bad, and we need to make it good." <laughs> and you're just like, and everyone's I have sitting no here like, "No idea what that means." So really being They're like, able I thought to, I was doing good work. Right, right, exactly. So like being able to really fully explain what represents bad and good, not just that it is bad or good, um, and really having like that support language that really identifies what you're looking for as the person who's giving the feedback is going to help that person like immensely in yeah. what they take from that. Um, and I think I think I talked about this in maybe our the 23rd episode um, or a different one, but asking someone to repeat back to you what they've just heard and not in a condescending way because I can tell how that can like really be flipped to be like, can you please repeat back to me what you just heard? Like not like that, but in a way that says like, um, something about I'd love to hear like what you took from that conversation just yeah. so we're on the same page and and making sure that that person is fully understanding what you're saying and if they're not which is totally like understandable that, that then happens. you have the opportunity to clarify exactly and someone's not walking away having one thought of what just happened and you're having a totally different yeah. thought so having that follow-up of not just being specific with the support language that you're talking about but then also asking them like i just want to make sure we're fully on the same page with this and and then we'll like move on and, and get to the next step here and um, i think within the training element of that having examples of things of like this is what is a great version of this and here's why right so that's where you're defining it's not like this is great this is bad it's these are the reasons Mm -hmm. why we're looking for x y and z so to keep in mind and then like the follow-through of that is like what we covered today Mm -hmm. (laughs) is like here are the three bullet points to keep in mind as you're moving forward right exactly um and that i think just helps wrap it up in a specific and supportive way as, as you said yeah and if you have it, like i feel like there's there's like those there's a meme or a cartoon of some kind of someone walking out of an office like with the blankest most confused look on their face like what was that <laughs> and then the person behind them is like did that go okay like and everyone's just avoid that at all costs <laughs> um i think to go off that theme it's really important to make all of this like exactly what you're saying with the the Apple example of like, this should be a positive cultural experience that's just woven into what you do on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. And when you're giving feedback, give it in a timely manner. The goal in the end is to make sure that these people that you're giving feedback to, whether it's multiple people, one person, if you're getting it, the improvement (laughs) element is key. Um, But I think that making it known that feedback is coming is also really vital. It shouldn't blindsight someone and you shouldn't just like pop your head in when they're in the middle of a project. Um, 
But I think having opportunities on a weekly basis, this is why one-on-ones are so important. Mm -hmm. And if they aren't instituted in your day-to-day work, I think it's important to make it a habit or at least some kind of communication with you and your manager, your team, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that that offers it as a teaching opportunity, especially if you're in a situation where someone's like super entry level, they're looking to you for guidance. And so the feedback is actually what's going to help them feel like the experience that they got was valuable to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think sometimes too, like giving an email heads up with like, if there was a scenario where you had to say like, from an HR perspective, like we need to tackle this. Literally, you need to tell them that they did something wrong or missed a deadline and having it in writing is vital yes so um from like a legal standpoint that's something that's important is like making sure that this is written down so that they have something to follow on right um from an email standpoint or like a shared doc scenario whatever um but i think an email heads up of like hey i know you missed your deadline let's make sure that we cover this in our next one-on-one if it's something that's coming up literally around the corner or if it's not like, hey, can we hop schedule. on the phone? Yeah. Let's schedule a 30-minute call just to make sure that we can discuss this. Because I think a person who's receiving feedback should never be blindsided by it. Agree. Yeah. I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Fully agree. That's why it's important to have a d- discussion immediately. Because the second that it goes beyond like a week or two weeks, and it's, it's like... Gone. every. N- the details are all fudged. No mm-hmm. one remembers the specifics. Oh, um, horror and I, stories. Right now. <laughs> um, I think also that's where sticking to the facts is really important and leaving emotions at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in the situation, perhaps from a managerial perspective, it's really helpful. Like you should go into this meeting with notes prepared. Yeah. Or at least, you know, a couple bullets of here are a few things that we're going to cover in the meeting today. Because that person's going to know if you're winging it. Like they'll, like obviously you called the meeting for a reason and you have a point, but but if you're kind of just like meandering around or not getting to the, the exact topic or you're kind of like, how was your weekend? I just want to like catch up. Real, mm-hmm. And like, no, you, we're here for, for, I was told you were here like, for a reason. Let's just get into it. <laughs> like there's no reason to dance around it. And that I think that really like sets you up for success if they see that you're prepared. And this again, like isn't a personal attack but it is a situational thing that needs to get resolved and knowing that like this isn't just some like throwaway conversation is really important to create that ongoing respect for both people yeah exactly and in order to make sure that it's like related to the things that are important to the conversation it's also really important to make sure that you're not generalizing anything it's like using words like always or never yeah um when you're talking about the situation, it's bring up a specific time frame, a specific scenario. That's where the facts come into play. And then following that, making sure that they have an opportunity to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also making sure that, like, here's why we're having this conversation. And here are the things that we can do or the things that I'm going to provide to you. Like, exactly with Cheryl. Like, we're going to offer you, we're going to pay for you to take some you know, public speaking classes to improve your presentation skills so that you can grow and you can become 
a better individual for this company and for yourself. Right. And so I think that that, like having that written follow up too of like, here are the improvements that we're going to put in place based on the conversation that we had. Yeah. And like we talked about earlier, like the impact that that will have by putting that feedback into action, like think about how much more positive your presentations will be and things like that, where they can see what the change will do, not just for them, but for the people that they work with, the people that they work for, like have it come full circle so it's not just a thing that and and I don't imagine in that situation it was like this for Kim and Cheryl but for some people they're like am I just doing this for you like in regardless yes if you work for them you are doing it for them to a certain degree but I think really making the impact feel relevant to the person and you and the team is is an important factor especially when you're working with someone like we talked about who's like in that entry-level position where they're still kind of getting their bearings if you make what that impact will be really effective for not just them, but how it will ripple effect to everybody else. I think that really embeds it that much further that you really care about their success and what that feedback will do for them going forward, not just maybe at just that position or at that just that job, but for everything kind of going forward. Um, that's a that's a big piece of, of having it matter to them, and then they'll really hopefully take it even more seriously because it will kind of affect everybody. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think I mentioned this, but like in the scenario where you're providing the feedback, so we've talked about like being specific, pulling out the facts, being direct with them. In a situation like you missed your last three deadlines, you're normally great about follow through. That's where the positive is. Yep. Um, Reverse sandwich. <laughs> can, can you tell me what happened? Yeah. And then stop speaking. Stop. And let them respond. <laughs> and it's so, I think the hardest thing in the world to do, honestly, is to just stop. Because what you'll start flirting with is speaking for them and like making a decision for them and, and making or making an excuse for them that they're like, that sounds really good. Let's, let's go with that. Let's what you that. just said, that sounds good. Sticking with that. But it's really, or you're just repeating yourself, which I think is a natural thing to do. Like, just so we're clear, like, I hope you understand that. And it's like, just stop. Mm-hmm. Just stop. It's hard to do, man. Yeah. Not easy. Um, I found a couple tips that I like, too, from this site called 15.5.com. You know, the things that pop up in Google. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, but they talked about this thing called the 3 by 3 method from Burt Decker's book, You've Got to Be Believed to Be Heard. Mm, Sounds powerful. Does sound powerful. Um, but they said, provide three strengths and three areas for potential development in all feedback meetings. That's a lot on the plate of the manager, boss, leader, whatever, but like the person providing feedback, that's a lot on their plate, but I think that's appropriate and I think that's necessary. I love it. I think that that's like, it's just consistently developing the culture of, hey, it it could be something super simple, Mm -hmm. but like, I think having it be part of it or like maybe one week there is like, we only have one area of feedback for you today. But I think... Being consistent with it from the get-go and establishing it as, like, this is now a method by which we're going to, you know, coordinate our, our weekly meetings. And I think, good. yeah, and I think that, like, I'm thinking of my personal experience from, like, a lot of the positions that I've had. My one-on-ones aren't always 
like centered around feedback. They're kind of talking about like what you're working on and what your goals are and things like that. But feedback is an intentional component to some of those meetings, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. And I think like depending on what your work structure is, maybe that's what you need is like a once a month feedback. Or maybe you are the person that throws it all into one meeting, but really like making sure that everybody is on the same page about what is happening there is super important. But I think specific feedback meetings beyond just like we we have a yearly, we have the annual review um, and we do about halfway through like informally. But having like specific meetings quarterly that are just centered around feedback at the very least, I think is a really powerful thing that's not just like, oh, this is just a meeting where we're checking in. Like, no, this is a meeting where we're really seeing where we're at and what needs to change or what, what you're doing really well. Um, but making sure, like we talked about, that it's it's identified as a feedback. And that might be part of your one-on-ones every week um, or every other week. But. Yeah, I think it's I think the thing that happens a lot of times is that because there's a performance review, a lot of people leave it to like, oh, we'll just cover all of this in our annual sesh. And, and it's then like, you're like, wow. That's exactly that's where it comes in. That, that's exactly where it's like, I've just been blindsided. Like all the things that we said not to do earlier, <laughs> Come that, in there. that happens. So it's like, if something happens that des- deserves feedback, provide it in the moment that it happens. Absolutely. Um, And this other tip that they mentioned, focus on performance, not personality. And that allows you to focus on the employee's behaviors, what they do, Mm -hmm. rather than their personality traits, what they're like. Interesting. And that was just like super powerful to me because it's not about who they are. Right. And that's a hard distinction to make sometimes as the person receiving. Yeah. But I think we're all responsible for making sure that that distinction is definitely there. Yeah. I think this is also important to keep in mind, too, when you're giving feedback up the chain of command. Mm-hmm. This is tends to be a scary thing of, like, I need to give feedback to my manager or I need to give feedback to my VP. Right. Ah, and you're like, that's do do that? terrifying. <laughs> um, but the one thing, um, Fast Company had a great article, which we'll link to in the show notes, as we do every week. All the time. Um, but come at it with the facts of the situation. And I offer a solution because I think it's really easy – to say, here are all the problems. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> it's like I'm feeling really good what now. Would, what would be the alternative to this, this situation? If you're going to give feedback upwards, mm-hmm. you have to have context. And also, it's not really valuable just to say, like, let me poke you and say that you're doing something wrong. This kind of goes the same way both ways. Yeah. But what's the solution to the problem? Right. And that shows, I think, for a leader to see you thinking through the solution, I think, is a is a great leadership quality, firstly. But then to have your supervisor see that it's not just like a dropping, you know, a negative comment on their doorstep and walking away, but saying, like, I think this is how we, we can help the situation. And I think from I've, I've not been in a managerial role or overseeing people, but I imagine if someone came to me with a solution, I have a, I had a boss who used to say, like, I uh, if my kids come to me with a problem, they better have a solution too. Like, I don't want to just hear you. I don't know if I can say and moan, but <laughs> if you're coming to me with something that you're upset about or you need help with or something like, I want you to then come to me with at least a first draft of what you think the solution to that problem is. And I think that it, that translates perfectly to this, um, 
powerful for a kid to hear that. I know. I wish <laughs> someone had said that to me more often. <laughs> I heard that when I was like 25. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm, you want me to? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I've been doing this wrong. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I thought that, like, it, and you're right, for kids to hear that and know, like, okay, I'm not just going to sit here and complain about something, but I'm going to do something about it. Yes. Like, how empowering is that for the people in front of you? And especially for the people that you're empowering in your organization to solve their own problems because that actually does land on a fair amount of HR annual reviews is like judgment and problem solving and things that you really want to be good at. But if no one's pushing you to do that, then where are you going to learn that skill necessarily? Yeah. And I think then in that situation where someone is coming to you saying, here's a scenario, I'm seeing this as a problem, here's the solution as a manager or as the higher-ups, the executives of the team, you need to be receptive to that feedback in order for this to be a cycle of positive encouragement and engagement. Right. Even if it isn't the perfect solution, you know, responding to the concerns, I right. think, is really important. And acknowledging that you've heard and yeah. understand what they're saying and can see their point and then say, okay, I don't know if this is going to work for this time, but can we implement parts of what you said and then parts of what I've come up with and yeah. really have it be a collaborative conversation? There's no I in team, guys. That's what they say. I'm still not sure, though. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it's so like, funny. I can do it <laughs> Oh, man. So the other part of feedback that we want to touch on is how to give feedback to a friend. Very different than a coworker. I'm immediately overwhelmed. Seriously. Like that overthinking thing we talked about skyrockets when it comes to friends. Because the emotions are involved. Oh yeah, and and it could it could very well be personal. <laughs> it's, it's not always situational when it comes to friendship. Yeah, um, and I think it's it's so much harder because you have so much more invested there. Just like uh, this is a person that means something to you. They're important to you. You don't want to tick anybody off, and that's why the delivery in this is so important. Like I think that takes precedence over everything else. Is really like if you're gonna if you're gonna embark on this journey of providing feedback to a friend, you really need to think through the delivery. I've seen many a uh, reality show where this did not go well because the delivery was so poor. <laughs> but those are all staged anyway, so I guess it doesn't matter. But I really think if you're taking it seriously and you really want there to be a positive outcome from it, the delivery and and a lot of the things that we'll talk about really are hugely at play here. I think it's important, too, because it shows that you care. It's like, if you didn't care, you wouldn't say anything. Right, exactly. And I think, like, one of the things I was thinking about earlier today was, like, you don't get to decide what's hurtful for someone else. Like, Mm -hmm. that's fully within their control. And no matter how much you want to say, like, this isn't meant to be hurtful, or I really am not trying to hurt your feelings, but, like, but that person has every right to be upset and that person has every right to be hurt by what you're saying but it's the it's the delivery it's the follow up it's the timing that have to go into how to make the best of what is a not fun conversation i imagine mm-hmm. So some of the things that I think about when I think about giving feedback to a friend um, is not making it a joke. I think it's really easy to kind of default to being like, you know, like if you think about it or something, like don't be such a terrible person. <laughs> and you're just like, that feels weird. But you're like, are you kidding or what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they, like, and I think just making sure that they know, and I don't know, some people aren't 
necessarily very serious. And I don't think this needs to be like serious and heavy, but I think making light of something that's really bothering you does a disservice to what you've like amped yourself up to do in the first place. Yeah. Your, your feelings are real and justified. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as are theirs. And I think that's why like making it a joke, like lets people walk away without solving any problems. Exactly. Um, don't make it passive aggressive. I think that this is so easy to do because like the backhandedness that can come from being passive aggressive is, I don't know, some people's default probably. And because you're like, I'm saying it and I'm getting it out there, but I'm saying it in a way that like makes you think way too hard about it. Like that gets fully rid of the directness that it should have been. <laughs> and uh, you're like, I'm confused. Are you still mad? At me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like, you don't talk to them for a week and you're like, oh, I guess... I guess you were. (laughs) And I guess passive aggressive would also be just like fully ignoring as well. So um, I put that in the passive aggressive camp in addition to the like offhanded or the like weird tone Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It just like it can get real dicey. And someone who is trying to get better or seems receptive to your feedback, you're again doing the disservice by not just saying it or finding a way to be as direct as you can about it. Yeah. The Every Girl had a great article on how to deal with an unbalanced relationship. Mm. Um, And I think if you're in a situation where you feel like that's the case, focusing on your feelings is the the important part of the exactly like what you were saying before is like you're you're allowed to feel what you feel. Right. Right. (laughs) Which I think sometimes we second guess that Mm -hmm. feeling of like, am I am I warranted here it's like it kind of doesn't matter if it's warranted or not like if you're feeling it you should explore where that's coming from exactly and like and work through it and figure out why um but not placing blame or not taking on that feeling of like well this doesn't matter it's unwarranted it's like well that's that's like to the side like that is not relevant at this moment Mm -hmm. and I think that when you're sitting someone down and having this conversation you're sharing that you're bringing this up because you actually value their input Mm -hmm. and their advice in a scenario and framing it in the sense of like I want your perspective and your take on these situations or just to be able to hear have you know that you care about the things that are going on in my life too right um, and I think this is also like where the the framing of the scenario is a collective problem of like you two in a friendship. Um, I feel like we end up speaking a lot about your life. The we, yeah, we we are the royal we, and it makes it more likely that your friend is going to be willing to change things up. And that's where it comes into play of like, all right, you as the friend who's saying you, I feel this way when you do X, Y, and Z, offering then. A specific solution, mm-hmm. opening it up to a discussion about, you know, I enjoy hearing about your life. I want to hear these things. I want to have these conversations with you, but it feels like you don't get the chance, you meaning me, right, <laughs> <laughs> to share my point of view or things um, that like I just would care if you're cu- curious, right? Are you curious? And right, and that's the big question too. But I think timing here is something that we talked about with the coworker. If you're the supervisor, or if you're the coworker who's giving feedback, like timeliness is so so important. I think with friendships and relationships, it's really easy to let things go. It's mm-hmm. really easy to walk away. This also applies to uh, significant other relationships too. Oh, for sure. Don't bottle that stuff up, guys, because it'll come out like at like Aunt Judy's like. 
birthday party at the perfectly wrong time and it'll just blow up in the wrong place. But yes, the timeliness piece of this, I think, goes along with the specific uh, the specifics around solutions, because if you're bringing it up, if it happened a year ago, like specifics around a solution, like feel not as relevant now that you've held on to it for a year. Like, yeah. it's still good to bring it up, but figure out if there's a way to like make it the now versus the then, because mm-hmm. the then doesn't feel it's like you've just been hanging on to it. And why is it coming up now? Why didn't it come up then? And then that sparks a whole nother conversation in my mind. Yeah. It becomes like a bigger debate, a bigger battle. Right. Um, but I think what's important in this situation is that everybody has their reasons for the things that they're doing, what they're doing. A thousand percent. And you feel a certain way. They feel a certain way. It's all very easy for us to be self-absorbed or selfish in a scenario or thinking about, like, I'm just focused on me right now. Right. Um, But in that situation, if you think about the fact that, like, hey, let me put myself in this other person's shoes, why might they be doing this to help me better frame this conversation so I can even make adjustments? Like, if you're upset about things, you're obviously going to start reacting to everything differently. Right. And so what are the things, if you're like, okay, I get that this isn't ideal. So what is it that I can do mm-hmm. to make it better? Right. Exactly. And I think there's a moment where you're like, am I overthinking it by really thinking through what that person is going through or how like this timing affects them or like anything like that. But I, I, I wouldn't ever think that that's overthinking. And I think that's being a good friend. And I think that's being thoughtful and really considering if you're about to dive into what will be most likely an uncomfortable conversation, you want to know if that person just had a really bad day at work, or you want to know if that person is having some family stuff that just like won't get shaken. Um, and if for the time being, and if there's the situation where there's a lot going on, and they're not, you know, asking about you or like, showing up to things or you have a concern that needs to be addressed like you know there are a lot of reasons behind why those things happen so like being prepared for that and having perspective around that is really helpful because then you can afford i think in a friendship scenario defensiveness is going to come at you Mm -hmm. way more than in a working scenario yeah for sure because everything's just more emotional in friendships oh yeah and i think there's this fear right of like Am I going to lose this person? Like, with Mm -hmm. coworkers, they're nice people and we like them. But, like, they're not your family. You're like, (laughs) if this doesn't go well, it's okay that I don't talk to Susie anymore. Like, I can go home and talk to my friend (laughs) about everything that just happened. So there is, like, this, like, personal stake that you have in this kind of conversation that makes, like, the confrontation a little bit more heightened. Um, But I think you get to a point. I think this is why these conversations are so important. Because the more you have them, if there's something that's going on, the more that trust is built and the more that 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 like transparency in your friendship or in your relationship can fully happen is because you're not afraid of it, it, again as long as you're being respectful kind like it, it, as as thoughtful as you can be with still saying how you're feeling like there is obviously a line that is crossed i'm sure a lot with some people but um if you want that relationship to get stronger, if you want that friendship to get stronger, the trust of saying, like, I'm saying this to you because I want this to get better. I mm-hmm. want us to, like, be able to lean on each other more and be there for each other more. Um, and hopefully framing it like that is also a way 
that the person you're giving the feedback to can like really internalize that and, and see it again. Maybe it is situational and not personal and they can see it as that more um, than personal by really saying like, I'm doing this for us. <laughs> like I swear I'm doing this for us <laughs> and really saying it that way. Maybe that not that dramatic, but in some way. That's okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um, some of the things that I found um, from an article from Tiny Buddha um, was around, again, the timing and making sure you're not hot when you, like, go into this. Like, you really want to make sure that, like, you've come down. Check your emotions at the door. <laughs> Seriously, it's funny how much, like, you wouldn't think that the overlap happens with the coworker to the friend. But, like, there really is. More than I thought even at the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> because there is. There's a fair amount of overlap. And, like, if you're coming at someone, like, you're at a 10... That's never going to go well. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would do that. But I think there's this moment where you're like, I need to tell them right now exactly how I'm feeling. I'm like, mm-hmm. you don't. You really don't. Like, timing is key in the sense of you don't want to wait a year. But it's not going to take you a year to cool off. Like, it's like, maybe write down your feelings. Email and then never send it. Yeah. Maybe don't even email. Write it down. Right. Physically write it down yeah. and then th- light it on fire and exactly. throw it away. And just, like, just to get it out of your system and then you'll come hopefully back with a clear head to have the conversation. Yes. Um, I like this one a lot where they said to focus on what the person is trying to communicate. So a lot like what we talked about in the active listening episode, like when someone's talking to you, you kind of have to like beeline to the core of what they're saying. And sometimes if like stakes are high, emotions are high, you're all feeling kind of like be jumbled um, and you've shared how you're feeling and that person is trying to communicate back to you, it might come out not as clear as you might have wanted it to, but to really focus in on like, maybe they're getting at something that I'm, they're not like fully identifying, but I'm listening to you and I am, I am fully trying to understand like what you're trying to communicate. And that's when that back and forth of like, this is what I'm hearing you say. And really starting that dialogue of like, it might have been be jumbled, but this is what I'm hearing you say. Like, no, I kind of was trying to say this. And then, like, it's breaking it down to what the core, what will help make you stronger is going to be. So I thought that was a great tip. And then staying grounded and, like, know that conflict and confrontational is totally normal. It's impossible to be okay all the time. It's just impossible. Um, there's a weirdness factor if you are okay all the time. Because <laughs> everybody's going to slip up. Everybody's going to do something that pisses you off. And that doesn't make them a monster. It just makes them human. Um, so staying grounded and not, like, throwing a table and being like, it's over. Like, oh, my God. But it's like, no, the fact that we're addressing this makes everything a lot better exactly and we now now i understand how you operate more and now i understand how i operate more right like and we know what we've worked on even like in our i think like when we started this this whole journey it really helped us learn how each other operates as people not just like in a business sense but in a human sense Mm -hmm. and it has made us stronger that's right sid i feel that (laughs) but the fact that you're ready to do the work is a great sign so like don't don't (laughs) take that for granted that like you recognize that a conversation needs to happen and you blow it up to this whole thing and I understand how that happens but like the moment you normalize a uh, a confrontational conversation the is the moment that you're able to walk through it with a clearer head in my opinion yeah um one of the things I was thinking about when we were 
really come like coming together with this episode was like remembering who you're talking to and remembering that not just like what that person might be going through in their life that might make your timing not as ideal but the way that you know that person digests information like are they going to flip as soon as you start opening your mouth or are they going to be completely silent for a far too long of a time that makes you very uncomfortable like Preparing yourself for something like this really takes on that next step of saying, like, who am I speaking with and how do they take on information and how do I navigate this in a way that will land with them, but also make sure that I'm saying what I need to say. Um, And again, I don't think that's overthinking. I think for a long time I thought that it was um, and maybe it is, I guess. But I think that that's being thoughtful about trying to get the best outcome for the situation um, and for the conversation. Totally agree. I think... This whole world of giving feedback, like all of this kind of applies in every scenario where you have to bring up something that's difficult to talk about. Right. And so if you're thinking about everything from the, hey, I'm going to be direct, talk about the facts, be specific about the details and do this in a timely manner. You've checked all the boxes, guys. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could have done this episode in like five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) You got to talk about the examples, because I remember the first time I had to do this, I didn't sleep for like two weeks. Yeah, seriously, though, because you're like, this is all the way, these are all the ways that this could go horribly wrong. Because I didn't check my emotions at the door. Right. And that's such a, that's such a normal thing. But the moment that you realize that you're like, okay, this is what's happening here. How do I step back from this and reapproach it in a way that gets rid of all of that? And really using these tools that we've talked about to have a constructive and honest conversation because all that will do at the end of the day, which like always brings me back to center, is that I don't care who it is that you're talking to, it will always create honest, clear, positive communication. And that will strengthen the relationship, whoever you're having it with. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care who it is. If you are coming at this in a way that is respectful, honest, thoughtful, all of those really specific, helpful things, this will strengthen you. It will strengthen you as an individual. Or, you know, there's always the flip side of like, they might be a terrible person. And you might just learn that faster by having this conversation. (laughs) There is always, there's always that possibility, but that should not scare you enough to not have it. Feedback exists as an opportunity for improvement. Yes. And there's just, yeah, there's just so much. I mean, I think about this all the time. There's just so much more that we could probably dive into. But I think what we talked about today about the tactics, both with coworkers and with friends and the overlaps that they share, but also like the positive, positive outcomes that come from making sure you're doing this is like essential. I love it. Soup's essential. (laughs) I think we've got some work to do, guys. I think we do. Let's give everyone feedback from here on out. Forever. Direct, clear, honest, thoughtful feedback. Hey, can I give you some feedback? (laughs) (laughs) Shall we break? Let's break. Feeling like a queen yet? Find us on Instagram and Twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it. Find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week.